Ben, welcome back. G'day, mate. How are you? Yeah, good. Yourself? Yeah, good, good. If my, if my eyes look red, I'm not stoned. I've just been doing damage all day. And I, I actually get hay fever, so I just... <laughs> I'm under it in the tractor doing tedding and that when, you know, there's just dust going everywhere. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. I'd be the same, yeah. Should I get a bit of hay fever, eh? Every time I sweep out a bloody dusty shed or something, I'm sneezing a bit. Yeah. <clears throat> um, you've got a couple of Weatherbees sitting there and a dog. Yep. Flygill. <laughs> yeah. That's Flygill up to. Up here. Come on. This is Fly Girl for all those listeners that know her from the Dear Dog. <laughs> hey? Fly Girl, what are you up to? I'm talking to your dad here, look. Yeah, so <laughs> Fly Girl still still trucking. She needs a bit of work on her bloody podcast. Um. Yeah, well, you know her. She's never been one really for the camera. She sort of looks a bit weird all the time when you get a camera out. But, um, no, she I does, do. man, got, yeah. I've got two fine Weatherby Mark 5s. Uh, for those of you who are watching this on uh, YouTube, which I encourage to do because we do have some cool stuff. I know a lot of you guys listen to it on the tractor and what have you and where you in the cow shed or whatever. But, yeah, if you can watch the YouTube, we do actually have some cool stuff. We're both pretty ugly, so just <laughs> don't worry about that. <laughs> there is cool gear. So, yeah, one's a um, nine-locking lug Weatherby 3378, which is a big cannon. Mm. Um, so that's the nine locking lug bolt. And the other one's a six, which is their ultralight line. So that is a six and that's non-magnum. But um, yeah. I remember um, I, was, I was telling you the other day that uh, I, I like drunk the Weatherby Kool-Aid at one point and, and just, I don't know, I saw about them somewhere, I found out about them at some point and started nerding out on them and going down the rabbit hole and looking up their advertising and their backstory and how they were all put together and got super into getting a Weatherby and I was trying to track one down and I couldn't and you were saying um, for whatever reason they're just, they're just not, they've never really taken off in New Zealand, uh, the price point's a bit funny and, and, and they've just, for whatever reason, they've never been hugely popular or taken off but people that do know about them. I've got a couple of mates, one mate in particular um, that's fanatical about them and he's just spent ages and tons of money building one and just swears by them. Yeah. So the Weatherby Vanguard, you can find that a lot in New Zealand, but the Mark V is, is, is a guaranteed accuracy line uh, of rifles they build and they are bloody... A pretty top line, uh, and they are bloody expensive, and that's why I think Steve's wholesales used to bring them in and then distribute them, and mm. shops would be able to get them through him, but he stopped doing it just because he's... I, I think I rang him one day and said, hey, I want to... Uh, what was I up? I was after a 257 Weatherby Magnum, and he said, mate, we, <laughs> we stopped doing those a few years back. And I was like, oh, why is that? He said, mate, they just... Peak has come out. And that was the end of the Weatherby in New Zealand. So, um, awesome rifles, mate. Like, you can see that they've got a 60-degree bolt lift, so that's it fully up, and you can't even see that bolt sticking up, you know? Yep. Um, they've got a really good half-lock for bush hunting. That's a 308. Um, 
really light. That thing there's not carbon, but it's I think it's Kevlar, and it weighs uh, just over seven pounds scoped with that. And mate, they're great in the weather. They're really well built. The, the whole the, the whole story behind Roy Weatherby is a great watch or yarn if you have a look on YouTube, it's on there. It's a family business and he started it. He was a keen African hunter in that and uh, yeah, he started it, passed it down to his son and his son's just passed it down to Adam Weatherby and they've moved out to Wyoming and still going bloody strong and still trying to stay ahead of the the game and build, they're building lightweight stuff now and yeah, it's a, it's a cool story. Cool mm. guns. Super interesting, eh? And he, he was a big. Uh, the way I understand it is that Weatherby, uh, is it Roy Weatherby? Is it? Is he the sort that, of that? That was the founder, yeah, the yeah. old boy. That, he, he's passed away now, but not 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 too long ago. The way I, I understand it is that Roy's calibers played a massive part in sort of the history of the progression of hunting calibers. And at the time when he came along, there was basically in in America, it was really the there was calibers like the 44 Magnum and the 3030, and I guess in Africa there was other big calibers, and he really started developing the Weatherby Magnums, which was the beginning of a whole new sort of style and branch of calibers and rifles and things. Yeah, mate. He came home from Africa, and he basically was like speed is a kill- speed's the killer. He he, and he started the speed demons. I mean. He was the king of speed, well ahead of his time with all, and he designed his own cartridges. He was he was a pretty good engineer, like he was pretty onto it, and he yeah he designed you know the fastest cartridges on the planet, and still has some of the fastest cartridges on the planet, and mm. uh, probably fifty odd years old. You know the two five seven Weatherby is a speed demon, three six shoot, it'll shoot a um, hundred grain bullet. 110 grain bullet, about 3.4 to 3.6. Yeah, that's honking, eh? That's honking, mate. And emphatic killer. It's basically a 25.06 on roids. And, um, you know, he's now he's got the 300. Like that 30, uh, for instance, I, I did a load development on the 30.378. I've just taken the scope off because I had my um, development scope on there. It's shooting a 200 grain AccuBond. At three three eighty. No, three three sixty. It's a lot of energy, two, eh? Yeah, with triple two five, I think it's a hundred and three or four grains of triple two five. So three three well two hundred grain again three three sixty is um yeah, speed demon. Mm. So that was his thing. And mate, awesome. And he, 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 like, the design features on one of these, like, see how the comb goes up? So when you recoil, the the comb's actually coming away from your face, so you're not getting that slap in the face. So he, he built them for, like, they were obviously going to recoil. I mean, you're spitting 200 grainers out that, that speed. Something, the inertia's got to go somewhere. Yeah. So he built, yeah, they're great guns, man. But you just, yeah, like you say, you don't see bugger all of them in New Zealand, especially the Mark V. And, and anyone who's got one, don't they don't part with them. But, you know, you, you'll find Sarkos on Trade Me, but you'll be waiting a while before you find where to be Mark Vs. Yeah, hard case. 
Mm. Um, yeah, I'll be I'll be um, keen to get my mitts on them next time we catch up. <coughs> have a yeah. proper look at them. Yeah, yeah. Um, should we hook into our topic? Yeah, mate. Bloody oh. Yep. Um, hang on, just before we get into that, did you? Did I hear you've bought a jet ski? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I have. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, wow. Talk me through that. Yeah. Roll on, summer. Um, I just bought a new house on Open Ackie at the beach there. If you want to come, bring that bad boy down. Definitely, man. Um, yeah. So I don't know. A little bit random, but um, I sold my dirt bike recently because I'm starting a couple of new video products and I don't want to have the risk of injuring myself. And I had a year or so, it was just time for it to go. Getting itchy feet a little bit for a, for a toy. And I've also started watching, um, just through the rabbit hole of YouTube, jet ski fishing, you know. And um, a lot of people do bloody well on them. And there's just, it's just a totally different style. They open up a lot of new country um, as far as new launching spots. Um, they don't draw as much water. There's a couple of river mouths and bars around here that you can get a jet ski over um, a lot easier than even my little boat. Um, and the other thing is speed. They just haul ass, eh? Like, yeah. <clears throat> um, you know, my boat does oh, empty if, the, if there's bugger or gear in it and it's dead flat, about 25, 26 knots, usually when you've got a bit of gear in it, it's a little bit rough. Like cruising speed is about, well, it's not actually not cruising, but a comfortable speed, average speed when you're going fast is probably only about 20 knots. Uh, I think the jet ski's top speed is about 45. Um, so, so just... And that jet uh, unit that they've got, like you say, pretty good for launching and, and like you say, whipping up little rivers and you only need, what, three inches of water? What, what does it draw? Four uh, inches? It's interesting you say that because when I when I picked it up, the guy was giving me the rundown on it. It's a, um, I got a Ski-Do Fish Pro, brand new one, 2021. Yeah. Um, it's a, they're a big ski, big stable ski, two-seater with a with a big duckboard off the back. Um, you can have a chili bin and there's still room behind that. You could have two chili bins or a chili bin and a live bait tank and that. Um, and he said they've actually had a, that's the, the most common issue they have with them because a jet intake's on the bottom. The most Ooh. common issue they have is people hitting sandbars or weed and crap. And he said apparently there was some real popular video or some popular thing that went around about that they only draw three inches which I think that's probably about right when they're absolutely tapped out. Yeah. Um, but when you're just, you know, starting off and getting moving, you know, it's I think they're still drawing a good, um, I don't know, foot, but it's still only a foot or so. Once mm. you're moving, it's six or eight inches. Whereas yeah. my boat really, and especially if you drop off the front of a wave, you know, coming over a bar or something, you can draw close to a metre. Mm. Um, whereas a jet ski is more like a foot. A foot yeah. is safe while you while you got some yeah. speed on, you know. So and a, and a foot in the sea will get you a long way, you know, further into harbors and mangrove bloody joints, and you know, like it's mm. quite a bit of water. Like you would wouldn't dream of going under a meter. Like you know, when the old sounder comes up and it gets to about 
seven or eight hundred millimeters and you and you're in the boat you're going oh Julie, look hold on you know yeah yeah and, and then you've got it the only... motor gurgling out the top of the water you know like it's it's still and that's heaps that you know 700 mils is heaps yeah yeah, so you know, it's it's definitely a bit of a, a new adventure for me, but um, and and I'm only just starting, but yeah, pretty much just that, man. I just I just always need some sort of a mission to keep me going, and and it's really good to have stuff that's outside of hunting and big game indicating dogs and dog training and all that to get me frothing and keen to go, and then when I go and do that, and I have a break away from work and dogs and hunting, then I get to the point where I'm actually getting super itchy feet to go hunting and hook into that again. So it's it gives me a good bit of balance, eh? Yeah, and look where you live, mate. You live in, you live on the beach, and it's a bit like when I moved here, moved to the beach, and I'm sitting there looking at flat water, and mm. I, and I'm watching free divers come up with craze, <laughs> and it's like obvious choice get a boat like if you've got any hunting inclination in your human nature you're like i've got to be out there like i don't care if i'm in the hills or in the sea i'm hunting yeah so it's obvious um for where you live totally yeah um and do people do do very well for them and and they do have capabilities that are big but it's funny because the thing is with them is they can go even more places than a small boat as far as launching options and not drawing much water but they've got a long reach as far as speed goes they're obviously not you know a really big boat can handle more sea but on a flat day there's, there's actually gc jet ski fishing on youtube as a kiwi guy that's fishing off his jet ski and some of the missions he does, man, and the ground he covers and the spots he gets to on flat days on his jet skis, I just just a light bulb went off, and I thought, yep, there's this spot, that spot, I could launch here, I could launch there, I could get out to there and back. I was just, I'm getting one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, no, good on you. Yeah. Interesting see how it goes. It um, will be, man, yeah. <clears throat> it'll probably draw about um, a metre and a half if I get on the back of it, but that's all good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Oh, well, should we hook into it? Yeah, man. Yeah, so this topic is one we sort of started on last time and then you come up with a few more ideas on it. It was really, you really come up with it. Um, but And as soon as you did, I was like, yep, this is, I was all over it and then we were bouncing backwards and forwards and, and I took, you caught me at my desk with a pen and paper in front of me and I started taking notes while we're talking about the idea and straight away we had about 30 bullet points and um the topic is hunting etiquette manners and do's and don'ts yeah yeah um i actually when we're talking about huts i thought about it and i thought geez we've talked all about huts and this and cookers and um completely missed what i was taught very first before I even was allowed to step foot in a hut, and that was gun safety around huts, and which leads into, you know, just general, you just your general attitude, um, and all that, and and I just thought we should probably talk about it because it will stop, it could stop, uh, you know, young guys that are listening to this from getting a clip around the ear, and it's never nice um, feeling like, you know, about that big when 
you've actually done something wrong and, and people really take offence. Mm. Especially with a firearm. I mean, they're not, they're, they're a touchy subject. And I mean, you, you might know your gun's safe, but, you know, bolt, bolt down, other people don't, and you'll get an absolute bollocking for it if you walk into a hut and there's people there having their dinner or what have you. So I just thought we'd touch on it, uh, a couple of things like that. Mm, yeah, totally. And I think it's really important, and, and for all those reasons you just said, and it can be both ways too. Um, I actually was shot by accident in a hut when I was 10 years old, about 10 or 11, can't remember exactly, but me yeah. and my cousin uh, running around with a 22, he was about 11 or 12, I was about 10 or 11, and um, he shot me in a hut with an unloaded rifle, um, unload, quote-unquote unloaded. Yeah, yeah straight. <laughs> Um And uh, 22 through the foot, bloody lucky, m- missed all the bones, went right between... The, the bones in your foot. I uh, took a little chip off one, went straight through. Um, but uh, I'm quite big on it, and, and you're right. And I've been on both ends of it where I've made a mistake when I was younger with a gun and uh, had, a, had an older guy gra- grab my shotgun off me, rip all the rounds out of it, and throw it. <laughs> through yeah. my, my brand new 1187 like into the pine thinnings. Um, and stormed off and I had to go get it out. And then I've yeah. also been on the other side of it when it's a bit of a social situation in a hut and someone's turned up with the bolt closed and there's about eight people there and they're waving this closed bolt gun around talking about the stag that they just seen around the corner in the river. Mm. And everyone else is just, oh, yeah, that's great talking. And I have to stop the whole thing and just say, hey, mate, can you open open the bolt on your rifle? Um, so it, it, you're putting, you can put yourself in a super awkward situation. You're putting other people that don't feel comfortable with it in a super awkward situation. And then worst comes to worst, someone gets shot, injured, and or killed. And it happens every year, you know. So, um, and it's amazing how often you, you see in, both inexperienced and super experienced people um, slip up on it, you know. Um, a, a quick note I had on this man is um, just that I know and you'd be the same I know half of the stuff from doing it wrong at some point or because it was drilled into me by someone else um, and it's stuff I wish I knew sooner and it's stuff that even if I slip up on I want other people to pull me up on it too like I'm not perfect no one is the whole thing is just having it at the top of mind and being on to it you know yeah, I'm. I'm actually really, I'm really aware of it, and I do. I probably overdo it. Mm. Um, even like if, you know, if me and you're out hunting on the hill and we're stopped to have a brew or something, I'll, I'll, I'll just pop the bolt open. Like there was never, there was nothing in it, or just because it's. I just feel mm. safer having a cup of tea with guns sitting on the ground and the bolt. I can see the bolts open. You know, just shit like that. It's a. It's. It's almost for me a courtesy thing, and I just it, it just puts everyone at ease. Like mm. you look at a gun and the bolt's shut, and the and the barrel's not pointing at you, but it's sort of across you, and you just go and the whole time you're on edge, going, oh, I wonder, yeah, you know, you don't wonder, oh, oh. and you don't want to ask your, your mate, but you probably should just say, hey mate, flick that bolt, 
um, up or open. And um, so I, I, I go overboard because I've had a few grillings. Not really grillings, but just I've never walked into a hut with it like that because I was taught not to and that. And I was actually taught to take the bolt right out. You don't mm. need it in the hut, do you? So take it out. But then you can bloody lose it. So, um, yeah. But So I just try and make – I overdo it to make everyone comfortable and mm. it's not going to be an issue. And – it sort of makes me feel comfortable too, because if people see me doing it, then they do it too, and I don't have to ask. And um, it's yeah, she's all good. But um, yeah, there's a few other things too, man. Like gun safety is the first one, and, and we all think gun safety, and you know you're gun safe in that. But just everyone's got to see it, mm. and you can do it nice and subtly. And yeah, people will be looking at your bolt. You might not think they are, but they fucking will be. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, so just to be a hundred percent clear, it's and it's actually mm-hmm. in your um, f- in the firearms code too. Anytime yeah. you approach other people, so if you're if you're walking down a track and someone's coming the other way, yeah. Even if your gun's unloaded and it's and it's bolt bolt closed on the sling, you're supposed to unsling it, open your bolt. Whether you walk straight past them or whether you stop and talk, your bolt's supposed to be open. Anytime you run into someone else, and anytime you're near a building or dwelling, or inside or near it, um, or any other people or gathering, your bolt's supposed to be open. Um, they can't, guns can't fire with an open bolt. Um, and, and also, um, unloaded doesn't mean unloaded out of the chamber. Don't don't leave bullets in your mag, whatever mag it is, Dropbox mag, BDL. Um, detachable mag, don't, don't leave bullets in there at all when you're not actually hunting. See, every morning you load them all back in, and every night before you go in, before you go in the hut, you open the bolt, drop the bullets out, or take the bullets out, flick them out, put them in your pouch, because that's unloaded, mm. you know? Yeah, it's a great point. And someone will pull you up on that too, so don't just think, oh, you know, chamber's free, and don't be a smartass. If someone hits you up, mm. don't be a prick. Just say, she's mate, I'm sorry. That's bloody my bad. Didn't mean to because you'll start a hell of a ro- ro- um, argument if you are a smart little prick about it. You know, mm. like no one, especially older guys, they don't they don't mess around with um, <laughs> young fellas and their firearms, you know, pointing at them all loaded. So, just don't be a smartass. Just say, "Hey, yep, sweet shit. Sorry about that." Yeah, it's, yeah, definitely shouldn't be any taking the piss or laughing about. It should be an absolute no-brainer. Um, yeah. And yeah, that's yeah. And, and I guess just while we're talking about that, the smartass thing and that, um, when you're staying in a hut or you or you turn up to a hut and there's people there, yeah, just courtesy is a good thing. Like, don't be an arrogant bugger or. Or, or just don't turn up to a hut and you're first one there and you sprawl your shit out, you know, everything's wet and you've got it hanging on this bunk, that bunk, and, you know, it's a it's a six-bunk hut and you're, you've got shit on five bunks wet, you're packed wet on that bottom bunk over there because someone turns up and you're halfway through cooking a feed and they're actually entitled to be in the hut with you mm. and you've got shit everywhere. Um, 
just just be courteous. Just be real courteous and just you know, I can't I can't emphasize that enough because it's a it's a real pain in the ass when you turn up and there's one or two guys that have taken over an eight person hut and you just no one feels welcome, you know, and there's wet shit everywhere and yeah. Yeah, totally agree. Yeah. Um yeah, the whole just completely bombing out and t- completely taking over a hut. It's one thing if you get back right on dark and you'll cook a feed and spread out a little bit and someone turns up unexpectedly an yeah. hour after dark or you've just landed and you're still sorting your gear out. But once you're settled in, you're going to be there for a couple of days. If you're leaving in the morning, um, yeah, get the hut as sorted out as possible and it should be ready for other people to turn up. Um, yeah, that's a huge one. And man, <laughs> man, have I seen some huts in some states, man. Like yeah. the boys on the raw trips and that, and just coming mm. in and just like, holy shit. Um, funny, funniest thing I've seen is like a possumer, they'll be in the hut and they live in them, right? So they're there for months. And you turn up and you can smell the what's that curry shit that they, you know, the, the, <laughs> they're attracted and that, they sprinkle <laughs> on the trees. You smell that a mile away. Oh, there must be a coon catcher in here somewhere. But you go in the hut and you wouldn't notice that there's someone living in the bloody hut. Most of those guys are just got their little bit box of stuff in the corner. They've got the mat, their beds made every day, like sleeping bags out nicely. Um, and those guys are living there, so there's no excuse for us when we turn up for a bloody weekend mm. and just start throwing shit everywhere and then going for a hunt and your fucking bags on the floor, sleeping bags on the floor and your packs sprawled out and there's just there's just no need for it, so don't do it. And um, everyone will get on bloody good because you, you'll, you'll run into some grumpy old bastard one day and it won't be pleasant and it's just... Yeah, common courtesy, and like we've said before, those huts are um, we're pretty privileged to have such good dwellings way mm. the hell out in uh, in our back country, eh? Yeah, big time. And the, and there's the whole um, that comes into sort of you know every hunter is a a public representative for all hunters. So if you know a bunch of forest and bird types or dock workers or you know you don't know who's going to turn up or who they are um (laughs) me and a mate had just been dropped off at a hut for a trapping trip once and we had gear everywhere and dogs running around and everything and in the middle of nowhere man middle of Teutoweta and 20 people walked around the corner and it was the head of dock from Murupara and uh the mayor of Whakatani and this whole crew of people like going for a walk through um, Teotihuacan to look at it, and I don't know. Um, dock people could turn, like I say, forest and bird types, and you know, uh, the last thing you want is a crew of hunters there, just with the whole hut just bombed out in a complete mess and a bad look for hunting and hunters in general. Mm. Um, yeah. Going back to what you're saying about the trapper, a trapper living in there, and he's real tidy and everything's tucked up and put away uh it sort of brings me to another point is probably 
a big part of the reason that they're often like that, and I can speak about this from experience, is when I was living in public huts trapping, I had to be real careful with the way you had your gear laid out because otherwise you'd be out working and a trip lands and they move straight in and just spread their gear out all amongst your gear. Mm. And then you turn up at the end of the day and you're like, holy shit, that, you know, some, they've just completely taken over and all your gear's mixed up in it. So you had, I learned to be, have it all segmented really well and all tidied up and packed up. Um, it's just so, I guess it's just courtesy when even, so there's the one thing for when you are there, have courtesy for people that may turn up. And when you're turning up, you also need to have courtesy for people that are already there um, as far as not just bowling in and taking over and and mixing all your gear up and the people that are there can lose their gear and your gear and it just it can get quite messy too. Mm. Um, I had I had it. Uh, I was just packing up in a hut. I was just packing up, so I was a little bit spread out, and but I was about seven minutes away from having everything in my pack and leaving. And a four, it was a hut you could drive to, and a four wheel drive pulled up, and five guys burst out the door, and as fast as they could, just four, four or five guys running gear inside and pulling stuff out and spreading it all out, and I was just like. I asked them, hang on, hold up, just give me give me five minutes, man, I'll have all my stuff out of here. Because otherwise I'm going to leave something behind. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to yeah. be at the at the other end of the North Island and there's and my head torch and my GPS is under a pile of their shit in the corner, you know. You can it yeah. can it yeah, can really yeah. put a spanner in the works for me and I don't operate that well around loads of people doing I it it throws me. Mm. And and I it knocks me off my um out of my routine and that and it, it yeah. can screw up my day. Yeah, and that probably leads into uh just your demeanor and you know, I often talk about common courtesy, but it's not common courtesy. It's just a lot of guys are out there. You don't know what sort of life they've got outside of that bush or that hut, but the, you know a lot of guys are there to get away from the world, and if you and your mates roll up and just start yarning and fucking a few beers, and you know, we all love doing that. Don't get me wrong, I've probably been more drunk in backcountry huts in this country than I have um, at the pub, but <laughs> just just assess uh, what you know, really good tip just assess the situation, be calm, and just. Just cruise, man. Like when you first turn up, I know you're fucking excited and it's and it's awesome, but just cruise. If someone's there, just take ten minutes to have a yarn. Here you go, mate. What you know, what's been happening, blah blah. And he might say, Hey look, I'm off. Just can you hold up before you start hauling it? Yeah, yeah sweet as. You know, you're you're out there for days. So 10, 10, 15 minutes ain't gonna kill you. And you might need a lifelong friend. If you're like that, or you might make a lifelong enemy if you just roll up and you, what the fuck are you doing here? And oh, what's going on? We booked this hut. Bro. Who cares, man? Like that guy, he might have been there for six months. He don't care that you've booked it for the one weekend or labor weekend, you know. So just be real cruisy. And I tell you, I have, I'm a yarner. Like when I meet people and that, I'm just, oh, how are you going? And 
two degrees of separation in New Zealand is like a dead set truth. Like you, I'll eventually he'll know my old man or I'll know his son or you whatever. You just know each other somehow. But I've had guys that I've run into. Oh, here you go, mate. Yeah, good. What do you got? Yeah. And he'll just so when he's leaving, uh, you'll get into the convo. Oh, mate, I've seen a big bloody bull up there, and then one around the corner, and um. Just on the last night, last night I've seen a, you know, a big stag down the bottom of that clearing down there. And then he's off. Mm. And you're like, shit, that was awesome. And, you know, sure enough, get up around the corner and uh, there's this bull where he said. So a little goes a long way with, with most people because we're all got one common interest, hunting. So mm. we're pretty much all going to get along if you just go about it the right way. You know, first impressions last. And... You got time, man. Just cruise, just work the situation out because a lot of guys are out there and they solo hunt for a reason. Uh, mm. And they are they are genuine good buggers, but they'll they'll arc up real quick if you just start <laughs> throwing your weight around and shit. Like, you know. Yeah, yeah, and th- yeah. You, you, they're out there just cruising. They've got their plan for the day, and and some and a young fella rolls up, just asking a million questions, going a million mm. miles an hour telling them I'm, I'm going here and we're doing this and we're doing that and old mate's just thinking jesus rolling his eyes just yeah. <laughs> where can yeah. i go anywhere but here but yeah if if you come in nice and calm <clears throat> it's a real good point um about if you make a good impression and you just chill and you're the sort of person that someone doesn't mind having around then it's amazing what you'll learn or what someone will tell you or who they are and how Mm. much time they've actually spent there and what they've actually done and what they know um and yeah (laughs) mate like some of those guys you'll 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 get there yeah and they'll be just like real short and just you know size and, and then you have a cup of tea with them and, you, and they've been in there for a few days and you bring out a fresh batch of ginger nuts and all of a sudden, 45 minutes into your cup of tea, they're just unloading about... The, the guy's been hunting there for 20 years. He knows every inch of every spur and your hunt's going to be 10 times better because of meeting that guy, you know? And mm. he's, he'll tell you, mate, I'm just here for meat. And a, and a look around. Uh, I, I don't trophy hunt, but I did see a massive stag up there this morning. And you're you're a trophy hunter, and you're going, holy heck! So honestly, take the time. It'll be bloody. It's, I've never really had it not worth it. Yeah, man. Now, I tell you what um, blew me away uh, doing the trapping in, out of public huts on and on public land for years was how. Man, I, I, like hundreds of people, hundreds of different people that I stayed in huts and camps with and basically never had an issue. You know, there's something about the environment of being in the bush that, and the yarns that you have and and uh, everyone just seems to get on. I've had a few tense moments where people turn up and they're a bit pissed off that you're there and you might have a um, rack of antlers sitting behind the hut or some meat hanging up or, oh shit, we thought we were going to have the place to, to ourselves and... Um, but yeah, if you just ease into it and you chill and you try to get along, man, 99 times out of a hundred in the hills, put the jug on, 
make a brew, you know, try to be uh, easy to get along with, and by the within no time you're bloody getting on like a house on fire and helping each other out, and yeah, yeah. Um, another thing I wanted to talk about was uh, helicopters and like a lot. You know, a lot of us, I grew up with helicopters with the old man. Um, it was just part of our life. And uh, whether I liked it or not, I got taught some lessons early on from him. And that was normally through a backhand, you know, while the machine's going, it's loud. And then bang, and I'm like, holy shit, you know, it'd, it'd be pointing like this. And what, what, you know, I'm going, what, what, what? And then, and then you know, pointing at the headset, put the headset on, put the headset on, and be like, pick that effing seatbelt up. It's it's not made to dangle around the bloody thing. And oh yeah, righto. And I just simple little things like that. And he'd just belt me, point at the headset, and then he once soon as I got the headset on, and he'd just be barking at me, you know. <laughs> um, uh. you know, shit like that. And uh, so, yeah, I learned that way but i i tell you it's, it's well worth learning a few things because we're all flying in all the time like five or six trips a year you know you drive down the coast in the chopper into it but um just helicopter etiquette i know we no one knows no one really tells you the old those chopper pilots are just like oh, there you go yep. mm. how many of you all right all right oh and then the next minute they're firing gear in the machine and you're, you're just like, gee, you see that he just hiffed my pack for about three metres at the back door of that D model. <laughs> and, and then he grabs your gun and you just got your head, hand in, your head in your hands and he just fires it under the seat and it just scrapes along and you're going, geez, that's my custom rifle. I just spent eight grand on that. And it's all just too much, you know. I've seen it before, but. Some simple things to get around it is, um, yeah, just one thing is most of those pilots, when they know you're green, they won't let you get out yourself. They'll make you sit there and then they'll open the door for you and you jump out and it's all very shivery and gentlemanly. And, but if you do ever get out on your own and help your mate out, once you've been with that pilot a couple of times, he knows you're not green, he'll, he'll expect a bit more of you. Just... Get out, keep your head down, and turn around and clip the seatbelt back in to itself on the seat so that's not dangling out. And then when we, then when you slam the door, the fucking belt's out the side. And that's a good tip because chopper pilots love that because they don't want to have to baby you. Because sometimes, you know, a lot of those pads and that change, if they're on riverbeds and that, and they can't always, the, the time you will have to get out yourself, they can't actually put the machine right down they've they've got to hold they'll have to sit there and um you know it'll be on the ground but they won't be shutting it down to get around and get you out and that's when you do that so you open your door keep your head down clip your seatbelt, and then help your mate and just slow and easy when you're getting the gear out Mm. they just go ripping gear out and catching it on door latches and ripping the door latch off because no sooner way to wind a chopper pile up when you're wrecking his gear. Um, they don't mind wrecking yours, but you don't go wrecking theirs. So, and just a gun slip, like a you know, an actual gun, any sort of protection on your gun because a soft gun bag. 
Yeah, soft gumbags are great if you're going to leave them there. But if you're flying in, just, just get a couple of rugby socks and slip one on each end because it's basically you scope, you know, because they, they will often slide your shooter under the seat. Yeah. And that's just, there could be a bit of gravel under there or sand. And you, you take all your precautions so that you can have a better trip and you're not getting upset because your gun's getting hiffed in the back. They won't hiff them, but they'll slide them under seats and jam them in somewhere. And mm. um, They're not there to muck around, and especially when you... Yeah, it's such a mixed bag, eh? Like, um, mm. <clears throat> you know, I did a lot of flying doing the trapping. We did a lot of flying doing the goat work. I've done a crap load of flying too. Probably not as much as you with your background, but... Um, on the goat work, we weren't allowed to use a hard case. That was like a company thing because they take up more room or something. I don't know. We just weren't allowed a hard case. Um, yeah. Some people don't. I mean, I know you talk about soft chili bins, those soft chili bins because a big hard chili, big hard objects are a pain in the ass because they don't fit in. But if it's a bit softer, it's protecting it. It's still doing the job, but it can fit into into more spaces. But um, uh. Yeah, I mean, my yeah, my advice around helicopters is is it's one thing is the same thing on dealing with people in huts, um, and and remembering that you know that when you turn up at a chopper place, uh, you know you get young pilots and people come and go and stuff, but often you're dealing with someone that's bloody experienced, they've been around for ages, and they've uh, f- flowing so many trips in and out you know what those chopper places are like in the raw it's just a constant flow of and there'll be what a hundred trucks at heli seeker or at um, heli resources or the main places and they're just flying guys in and out all day they've got vans driving around and utes and trucks and stuff everywhere dropping off and picking up and they're just going flat out so you got to remember that you're just one of many so, and you're excited about your trip. So, same thing. You've got to turn up, chill. What do you want me to do? Hurry up and wait. Like, if they ask you to wait, just wait and try to stay out of the way. Um, if, but also be ready to go too, because often times of the essence as well. And the helicopters are bloody expensive. So, have your shit sorted, but be ready to wait as well. Um, be ready to pitch in and help them with gear, but also be ready to stand stand back and let them do it as well. Um, like you said, the seatbelt, don't let your seatbelt bloody hang, flap around the door. Make sure you take your headset off before you climb out. I've done that once, mm-hmm. uh, and the helicopter pilot like grabbed me by the scruff and like jammed me back in the door and pulled the headset off my head. Uh and, and remember, it's all loud when this is going on. So you, you're sort of like, shit, what's he up to? And then he whips the headset off, eh? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He just grabbed me as I was. <laughs> yeah, it's quite coming. confronting, eh? <coughs> well, it's, and it's, <clears throat> I mean, it, there's huge, huge safety hazards too. There's the, the yeah. tail rotor and there's, there's you know, you, you always try and <clears throat> work around the front of helicopters. Um, it's pretty dangerous going around the back. People do get killed walking into tail rotors. There's the, um, on certain, what's that? Don't walk up the hill if you landed on it, you know. Cause mm. you, yeah, but they, they, they're pretty good at telling you that. Mm. Yeah, but yeah, just, yeah, you're and, onto it. And you don't, don't duck in around the, um, you know, 
uh, behind the cab, under the tail boom. Yeah. You know, that's that's a, a no-no. It's probably okay on some models, but you're not meant to do it on any helicopter, but it's a huge issue on some, some helicopters have the jet engine coming out the back there. Um, but, yeah, it's just that just that whole same thing and just <coughs> trying to be the sort of guy or woman that a helicopter pilot doesn't mind having around. And the same thing too, man, if you turn up all full on and and you're you even resemble anything that might be the slightest pain in the ass, all they they're just gonna do their job. They're gonna put you in the helicopter, fly you in and drop you off if you're cruisy and you make it a good experience for them, then it's amazing what a pilot will tell you on the way in or fly you around the top of a you know, a creek or a hill and say, Hey, you can you can get over this saddle here into there or there's actually a pretty good stag seen on these slips uh, 10 days ago or, hey, next time you come in, you can maybe try this other spot. It's bloody good. Um, it just comes back to that same thing of just common courtesy and trying to be someone that the other person wants to have around and not a pain in the ass. Yeah, and yeah, don't be an idiot. Like I've seen some ballot trips where... You know, guys will want pretty much wanting to take their house in. So they've got six bags of wood, five guys, um, 60 dozen piss, all in hard chilies. And it's just because there's 28 guy, groups going into the hills and you, you've got these guys there that are doing that right at the start of the day and it's like, six trips in a chopper because they've got that much shit and everyone gets behind time. It's like all good, but not all good. Like, ha have a look at yourself, mate. You're not here for a friggin' five-star accommodation holiday. You're here for a ballot block. We're all here because you, you got some real keen, mad guys that just want to get in and they've got a pack, a gun, and that's it. Like, everything else... <laughs> That's what they're taking. And, you know, there'll be two of them and they just want to go. It's like, oh, frag, what are these? You know, like these guys are just, you know, I, I get it, but you see some sights, I tell you. So just take, yeah. take what you need and a little bit of luxury, but just remember you're out of that country and it's, you know, just, it's. I reckon it's a bit of courtesy. Like you're holding the apple cart up massively sometimes. Mm. Yeah, that's a yeah, that's a really good point too. It's not only the pilot; it's the other t teams that need to get in too. Yeah, um, well you're all sitting there on the same day, same morning, and mm. you're all got a block to go, and you want to get there. And like I've sat there till two p.m. because because I know a lot of the pilots, and I just say, "Oh, look, mate, I'll go." And I'm normally on my own or with one other guy, or and I'm just like, "Oh, that will be worse, mate. Just get these muppets out of the way, not muppets, but <laughs> well, yeah." I call them, like, if I'm talking to a pilot and I see someone taking a heap of gear, I'm like, take the Dorises in, mate. mate. Get, get them comfy and just come back and get me when you got, you know. Yeah. Is it Sometimes that's what it's like, mate. It's like Sheila's going into the hills. they got, you know, six bags of firewood. It's like, what are you doing up there? Like, are you going hunting? Or are you just going to park up and drink beers and eat fillet steak for eight days straight? But. There's I a, get it because it is a good time, but um, man, the the term I've seen um, 
over and over in, in amongst industry people, professional hunters, helicopter pilots, um, people like that as loopies. They call them loopies, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just, yeah. just. It's normally, a, it's normally a North Islander. Just the <laughs> sideshow turning up of just inexperience and just way too much gear and just all over the place, all the gear and no idea. And, you know, the people in the know are just sort of give each other a sideways glance and roll, the eye, roll their eyes. And exactly what you said, it's like, I'll be right, mate. You, you guys sort that out. Good luck with that, and what was you know sort us out after. But um, it's 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 on all of this stuff, man. It's just tr- don't be that guy. Don't be that person that everyone's just sort of a yeah laugh. Don't be a loopy. Um, I've got, and I, I guess that goes both ways, man. On how much gear you take, because I've also seen. Uh, I've been in the living in the bush trapping or on a trip of my own and uh, two guys turn up in a jet ranger <laughs> with bloody the jet boil and a and a um, bunch of backcountry freeze dried meals and it's like you could have at least brought in you know, don't be the guys that, you know, take crazy amounts of silly gear, but don't you know if you're flying in, take a good bit of gear and a bit of comfort and some decent food too. It's just always hitting that balance, eh? Without being silly about it either way. Yeah. 100% I've lost you here. You've lost my video. Yeah, everything. I'm just so I can hear you, but I uh, can't find you. <clears throat> has it gone? Has your screen gone to sleep? No. Nah. I can see you and hear you. Yeah, cool. That's perfect. We'll just keep with that, and I might just be uh, blanked out. Wonder what's going on there. That's all good. I don't need to see anything. I'll just keep going. Okay. So um, yeah, carry on. Um, yeah, just that man. Like, like if you're flying yeah. in, you're spending a grand or twelve hundred bucks to fly in somewhere. Take a couple of decent feeds in that. You don't spend a thousand bucks to fly in and live off freeze dried meals and yeah, you know yeah, yeah. done on your bloody super light cooker. Um, you know, and I've got a bit of gear for that. I've got big, heavy, comfortable sleeping bags and heavier cookers, and and I take a few extra pots and pans and some bloody you know, and take a few beers and have a couple of beers at night once the guns are put away and stuff like that. But yeah, and and, and hey. If you get a, a wet day, pack the guns away and, and get on the piss if you want. But, um, um, yeah, I think we've yeah. covered it, you know. Um, yeah, because there's, there, there is, eh? There's, there's, there's having a good time and, and um, you know, and having good tucker. But that's what I and my mates sort of do. And, and we've, we've literally got four guys and a machine and all that gear. So I don't really, I see a, I, I, I see a point. I see a, I see an end, you know, mm. like I just don't, I just don't think you should be taking the kitchen sink, but if that's what you do, hey, that's all good. But man, I, prepared, I have to, too. I have to put a footnote on this, that yeah. uh, 
I have been known to fill a Jet Ranger on my own for a a week trip, and because I, I got I've taken a gas freezer and t- um, film gear and a fold out table for like I've like I said at the start, I, I'm definitely not perfect, but um, it's just common sense, man. You know, and um, yeah. Anyway, yeah. Um, and I guess, hey, look, end of the day, mate. If you're paying for the bloody machine and, and all the fights, mm. I guess, like, just yeah, you do what you want. Like, mm. That's just these are just ideas, and, right? Yeah, They're just yeah, ideas. I'm, yeah, I'm just being. Yeah, I'm just trying to say, like, that's. I've just seen a lot of side shows and, mm. and it, pretty much 90% of the hunters that are standing there are just going, oh, for crying, crying out loud. Like, yeah. what are you Muppets up to? Just get out of here. You know? there, so, yeah, there's a, there's a time and place for it. Like when I do those trips, it's a, it's with a pilot that in mm. an outfit that knows me and I know them and I ring them up and, hey, I'm thinking about going into this spot on this day. How does that suit you? How are you placed that day? I'm thinking I'm taking a ton of gear. I'm filming. Mm. I've got some a bunch of gear I'm gonna try out and I might be fly camping, so I'm taking that. I'm gonna try, I'm gonna set my new teepee up. I wanna try that. And I've got and he's like, so they're all armed for it and it's on the right time and time right place and they're expecting it. Mm. I'm not putting anyone out. Mm. Um Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Not on ballot flying morning when you know there's 28 other blocks that want to get to their block <laughs> yeah and and but, you can do it in one load but you're taking um 20 dozen piss yeah anyway um Ooh. one real quick note here i don't want to sit on this for ages but just rat bait in and around huts and camps um you see it all the time in a hut book put rat bait under the hut um, when I left. <clears throat> I don't know. It's This is going to be, a lot of people won't agree with it, but, um, man, I've just seen it. it. You know, I think it's got to be in a proper bait station or maybe even consider leaving it for a doc to do. If they do have a bait station, they're going to use rat bait in a hut. Um, man, I've just seen it so many times where there's, rat bait where dogs can get to it outside it's just sitting under the step or even buddy i've seen it on the ground in front of the steps in front of the hut um every time dog, I, if, you, if your friggin' dog gets here before you she's toast mate um yeah. i'm super paranoid with my dogs around huts because yeah. the amount of time gotta be, man. gotta be the amount of times i've just you turn up and you see in the hut book and so it's just you know fred was here hunting last weekend Three rat bait under the hut when I left, and it's like, uh, it's it's just it's a big call, and the and the rats pick it up and carry it around, and I've seen it where they've they've made a nest under the bench and the newspaper and shit, and there's just this big pile of rubbish and rat bait and dead rats, and the, I've seen dead rats in water tanks a lot because of rat bait, it makes them go straight to the water, and um. I don't know. Well, I reckon. I reckon it should be controlled. If 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 Doc want you to put rat bait out, then they should have stations for it, uh, which they probably do. And if they don't want anyone just throwing rat bait around, 
they probably won't have stations because it's got to make 2020 bait's got to poison's got to be on a station um, for me because we're not we're not as educated as we were back in the 60s 70s and 80s like those old guys lived in the bush they they were really courtesy they the um, they had good etiquette. They just knew what they, they were bushmen. They friggin' knew everything. We're, we're basically townies or farmers nowadays that go and use the bush. And not, look, even I might throw rat bait in the wrong spot, you know, in my younger years. But mm. we're just not all as experienced as a proper bait guy, a proper trapper or a proper bushman. So I don't think we should be doing it because, like you say, Good deed or not good deed? Mm. Um, it's not necessarily a good deed, man. No. I would I would say mm. actually technically you're not meant to do it. Technically, I would almost say it's illegal. Um, yeah. If you want to use, if you want to cyanide for possums, you've got to yeah. get you've got to get a permit and you've got to notify all these people and put signs up and do all of this stuff. But people just turn up with rat bait and just throw it around like it's bloody candy floss. You know, I've seen it a lot. Um, it's just one thing I wanted to bring up before, you know, while we were on this whole whole subject. 100%. Yeah, yep. of sort of etiquette and do's and don'ts. Um, yep. uh, yeah, on uh, probably one quick note on rat bait too is, uh, man... When I was living in the huts trapping, rats were a constant thing and I tried everything to deal with them and it didn't matter how much you trapped them or poisoned them or what you did, they would just keep coming and half the time a trap with bait on it, dead rats, rat bait was just attracting more and the best way to deal with rats was to have everything bloody clean and tidy and nothing for the rats to eat and nothing for them yeah. to sleep in. And yeah. poison and traps and shit everywhere was just, just ended up with dead rats and poison and crap. And, yeah. And and the thing for me with it is uh, the rats carry it around. So... They do. Well, I've chucked it in my ceiling before and you're just sitting there watching TV at night and you hear duh, 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 and it's like someone's dropped a cricket ball in your roof <laughs> and then pick it up. Duh, 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 duh. They're dropping these massive baits that they're trying to carry away. And, and yeah, now nah, for me, just don't go spreading it around. Or yeah, just don't go spreading it around. It's just, I, th- I, yeah. I don't like it. And I just think, I just think it's too uncontrolled. You know, kids, like, you take your kids, a lot of kids go into these huts, and, you know, most kids know what a bloody pe- a, a nugget of rat bait is, but some kid might not, and they're carting it around for five minutes trying to find Dad, going, Dad, what's this? Dad, what's this? And then, you know, just not cool. Mm-hmm. Don't that's, worry about the baits. That's, <clears throat> what, that's for, uh, unless you're told, or unless you go to Doc and say, hey, I'd like to bait this hut when I'm there. What do you reckon? And if they say, yep, here's a bait station, mm. fill that up and put it here. Sweet. But they probably won't, and they'll probably say thanks for helping, but um, we'll get someone on it. 
Yeah, I'd say I'd say they'd be pretty freaking touchy about that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah. What about like hunting with mates and even hunting and fishing spot etiquette? You know, like if your mate yep. takes you to his spot, or you take your mate to your spot, on and all that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, for me personally, there is so many deer around. <laughs> oh, I don't really care, but I I do. No, I think it's yeah depends. But it, but the main rule is I just don't bother. Um, I'd rather go with my mate, and if, if my mate took me to his spot, then I'll be like, hey mate, let's go back to that spot. Yeah, let's go back to that spot a few times and then my my mate would probably say, look, mate, I ain't got time. <laughs> I don't know if you know, but I've got two bloody kids under the age of two. You go to that spot if you want. Mm. Normally what happens or, but you just don't skullduggery and cut your mate's lunch on a spot and then take your other three mates that don't know that mate there and all that sort of stuff. It, I just think it, it, it's almost like this whole chat has been designed for this question because it is basically ask yourself, am I being a dick? Mm. And if the answer's uh, even remotely yes, well then don't go to your mate's spot. <laughs> yeah, and I agree. And I, I'm the same. I don't really care. Um, mm. I, yeah, I've got lots of spots and... I like finding new spots too, so and I can find new spots. So, um, but then it, it's uh, there's a lot of sides to it, and and you made a good point too. It's one thing if you take, I mean, if someone takes me to a spot, or someone wants to take me to a spot, um, it gets complicated because, in a lot of ways, I don't like having other people take me to spots because the amount of times that someone's taken me to a spot that I would have ended up going to anyway and now because they took me there, it's their spot that they've shown me so now I feel weird about going there. Yeah. And then it depends what that person's like. I think it goes both ways. It's don't be a dick, don't have someone take you to their spot. I think it's just... but. Uh, I think it's weird if someone takes you to a spot and then you're not allowed to go back there on your own or maybe go back there with one mate that's cool, but you made the good point of someone takes you to a spot and then you take four guys there and one or two of them are randoms that you don't know how that's going to pan out. That's a bit on the nose. But if I take if I take someone to a spot, I'm taking them there because I know they're a good person and I don't mind them going back. Um, yeah, that, that's a bit like me too, mate. I, like I said, I don't really mind because there's just so much. Uh, to be honest, though, I th you know, back in uh, the late 90s, early 2000s, when I was going, like hunting public land and that, jeez, you, you, if you had a spot with a few deer in it, it was, it was pretty like gold, especially when you're a real young fella. 
because there was you'd, you'd walk for a day and see it, maybe see a hind and a scungy yearling. You know, there was bugger all deer around where mm. I was hunting, um, because of ten eighty and game recovery and heli and waro. But so back then it was like <laughs> I don't, yeah, I wouldn't have taken anyone to any of my spots. But yeah, now there's enough around that sort of. Um, and I like to, I want to encourage people to bloody hunt. And if they have to go back to my spot to do it, hey, awesome, because they're hunting and they're taking a fresh, a new guy or girl and good on them, you know. Um, and I hope that I've taught them enough uh, about hunting and etiquette and that, that they're not going to go in there and slay it all or shoot velvet stags um, in December. Because they know that's my raw spot, or you know, something. Hopefully, I've mm. taught them that it, it's all kosher anyway. Um, so, yeah, I think. Yeah, I think it can go both ways. It can either be people can take the piss, and you can take them to a really good special spot, and then I think the big one in going back to a spot that someone's taken you to is let them know. If if you yeah. take someone to a spot, and then you hear through the grapevine or they tell you, um, I've had that in the past with, you know, young guys that are starting out that don't understand, don't know the etiquette. They don't even, cause they've never had to find spots themselves and things. And you've taken them to a spot and they don't know. And then two weeks later, they're like, Oh, me and Tom and Ben and James went up that, up that spot the other day. And, and you're like, Oh, okay. Um, and it's all, it's only weird because they didn't tell you or ask you, you know, there's limits yeah. Um, so it can be that you can, you can stuff it up by, um, not respecting someone's spot. And I also think you can stuff it up by being weird about hunting spots and, 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 you know, take somewhat, take your quote unquote mate there and then be weird about him going back. That's shitty too. You know, it's, it's just common courtesy and common sense and being a good person about it both ways, really. Um, yeah that another another one um too is that i've had is um and uh, on the same train is uh i guess just being stoked for your mates and encouraging instead of being i've had I've been around guys that are sort of the FOMO guy, fear of missing out, or the mm. super competitive, jealous guy, and that can tie into the spot thing too. And someone takes you to a spot and then uh, doesn't want you to go back, and that can be weird. Or um, someone takes you to a spot or you're hunting with someone and you shoot something and they get a little bit pissy about it or, you know, there can be there can be some weird shit there. I think it's really good to just keep it positive, um, encourage your mates, be stoked for them, pull them up on bullshit, but just, like, try to be a good mate, you know? Yeah, and, hey, look, I think that probably rounds off this yarn. It sounds like a, like a whole rant, but... I'll... What all we're trying to do here is, if you if you're just starting out, or you don't have a dad, or, or, or you 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 just literally gone shit. This hunting looks good. Gone and got your tika, 
or your second-hand firearm and you're, and you're into it, then these are just some pointers that are going to point you in the right direction. So when you run, you'll eventually run into other people in the bush. And that, that's what this whole podcast's about. So mm. if you're listening to this and, you, and it rings a bell with one of your mates, don't be afraid to just pull them up. Just say, hey, bro. You're playing up, mate. You know, say it in a go and just say, you're playing up. And he'll be like, what do you mean? Well, you're playing up. Your bolt's always shut and we're walking around and I don't feel comfortable with you pointing that bloody. And he might blow up at you and you go, hey, that's cool. Just telling you. So if we don't go hunting together again, you'll know why. And it'll spark him. Get around it by being, you know, just being a mate. But, yeah, pull him up because you... Because a mate telling you is a sight better than some, you know, poor bugger that's had to run into you, had the unpleasant um, experience of running into you, mm. and he's had to blow you up because he feels, end of the day, you, you very easy to, for one of these things to go off, you know, poor triggers and you know, all sorts of shit. And some, you know, it's very easy when you've been hunting all day and shooting a few animals in the bush. You, you know, you, you might have, you know, when the, when everything's going real fast, you, you might have one up the bloody chamber and you could have sworn you didn't. Mm. You know, I've had that before. I've had just gone to check, you know, when you get that inkling and you're like, geez, I better double check. And then you check, jeez, there's one up there. There's been one up there for the last five minutes, you know, or something. Yep. Safety's on or whatever, but. Yeah, we've all had that. Yeah. All had just, that, man. I think you're lying if you say you haven't, if you've done a fair yeah, bit and of hunting. Yeah, no matter how experienced you are when you're, you know, like when you're working, which is in the bush, you're working on deer and you've got your dog and everything, all your senses are frigging high. And, yeah, you know, I load my gun quietly and quickly without even registering it. Mm. You know, I'm yeah. like, old mate's keen. There's a deer then, you're just creeping it in, you click it down, and this is all instinct. And then deer busts, and it's all a bit like, oh, bugger it, I could have done that better. Oh, shit, I bloody knew it. I should have listened to Fly Girl. She was full on, pointing down there. Oh, and then you just walk off, and then, shit, hang on. I subconsciously put a round back there, did I? Oh, yeah, no, nah, have. But yep. when I always put a round in, I first thing I do is put the safety on. Yeah. It's round, safety, then weight, and then, you know, because I know there's a deer right there, but then it's, okay, deer, safety, off bank. So just shit like that, and when you get tired and it's bloody, you know, just just be hard on each other as mates mm. in all situations, and you'll be real good buggers, and when you, you'll have a lot better time. Um. Just doing everything. Chopper pilots will love you. Um, you'll meet guys that want to hunt with you again, take you to their spots. Um, you'll meet older, experienced guys that think you're a good little bugger and you've got good manners and you've got good etiquette. So they, they won't mind teaching you a heap of shit and you might end up being you know, a guy 20 years older than you that's a hardcore hunter. He'll teach you a shitload of stuff if you end up hunting with him for a few years. Um, but I guarantee you this if you're a tosser from the get-go you will not be in a shit show with any of those guys that are you know like that yeah yeah that's totally um well put uh 
And another thing, going back a bit, is uh, on this, back to the spots thing in that and what you were saying just then is um, get good at finding new spots. Get good at that and finding your own spots and then doing and do well yourself and then pull in other good hunters and take them to your spots, good spots, and be cool about it and say, hey, mate, you can come back here whenever you want. And then next thing he's like, oh, this guy's a good, you know, he's on to it and he's a good bugger. And then he'll tell you about spots and invite you out. You know, it should be if everyone's putting their um, mm. work in and finding good spots or being a good bugger and working things out and then everyone shares all your spots, it's it's just good for everyone, you know. Yeah. I know we're pressed for time here. I think we've probably been an hour, have we? Yeah, we're about right. We're on a, coming up to about an hour fifteen, which is about usual. Okay, so I reckon this is a podcast that would be good going forward. Maybe next week is how does a young fella find spots? What's he looking for? What's his e searching look? What you know, like we? I think we should probably have a a party on that because, hey, if you don't know, you don't know, and there's and what you used to know has changed. Mm. Now you've got WAMS, Maps, you've got Google Earth. You know, in the last five, well, probably more than five years, but I've been, I've learned heaps of new ways to find epic spots. So I think that's a good thing for young, well, new hunters or young fellas that um, it all sounds pretty daunting, but if you just start and get a system and you know, I think you just brought it up, the new spots thing, well, how do you find a new spot? Mm. So I think that'll be a bloody good one. Um, we'll probably touch on that, eh, one time? Yeah, keen as, man. That sounds like a bloody good one for next time. Yeah. yeah. Okay, man, we'll wrap it up, eh? Yeah, sweet. Sorry about the rant, listeners. It wasn't really a rant. It wasn't supposed to be, but I just, yeah, like I say, we just want to help you out. No, I don't think it was a rant at all. And like I said, it's it's all stuff that I wish someone had a sat down and told me all in one go back in the day rather than stumbling through it and making the mistakes and learning it the hard way. Yeah. yeah. Okay, man. Sweet as. We'll see you next time, eh? Okay, mate. Sweet. Sweet. Thanks, everybody. Cheers.